Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. It's an honor to have you as we tune into week two of the art of neighboring. If you missed last week, it was really helpful. I hope you can go back and check it out. We talked, we introduced the big idea of, of kind of boiling down following Jesus to its simplest form. Like, right, if we were going to just boil it down to what it means to follow Jesus in the very simplest of forms, what would that look like? And Jesus actually showed us last week that it's just loving God and people. That's it. Like, like if you're just going to boil it down, it's loving God and, and people. And then specifically, Jesus articulates it by saying to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so last week, we talked about what it would look like to take Jesus seriously at that command as Jesus followers. And we talked about, like, like there's graduate level neighboring, like, like loving your enemies, and, and it's absolutely that we should love uh, strangers and neighbors and those hard to love. And I mean, I mean there's lots of categories of, of people that we're called to love, but we also talked about how it shouldn't exempt us from like kindergarten level neighboring, like just loving our real live neighbors, right? Like, like, and, and the challenge in the West is that that's actually pretty easy to kind of look over, that we're so good at just being neighborly people, and we kind of put our sweater vest on and Mr. Rogers around, that we actually miss the people right in front of us, right outside our front door. And so I introduced this block map to you last week, and if you didn't get a chance, it's just a little tic-tac-toe board, you can do it right now, but the idea was to put your address in the middle and then start to fill in the names of your neighbors, your eight closest neighbors in proximity, Whether whether they're above you, below you, behind you, it doesn't really matter where they are, but the eight closest neighbors in proximity, can you fill in their names? And we said statistically, most Americans cannot. Maybe one or two out of the eight is, is the capacity, and that's actually doing pretty well. And so the homework for this last week was to start to fill in this map. So let me ask you a question. How'd it go? How is it going? Did you get one? Did you get two? Did you get, you know, all eight? I mean, I mean, are you a rock star? Did you get none? Was it really challenging? Did the snowstorm trap you inside? For what it's worth, the snowstorm actually brought my neighbors out, and we got to see them at the giant snow hill and stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, you have different kinds of neighbors for different seasons, right, that you can engage in. But here's, here's the reality is that, man, I, I hope that this is just something that, that allows you to get really practical about getting to know their names. And here's why. Because one of the best ways to actually show that I care about the people around me is to use their name, to use their name. And it's really hard to meet people's needs when I don't know their name. And so the whole point of this series, the whole point of the next couple of weeks is to kind of flow our relationship map this way. So I told you last week, it's, it's moving people from strangers to acquaintances. And so, right, if, if there's anyone on your neighboring map that you don't know their name, if, if you don't know their actual names, then functionally they're a stranger. It doesn't count if you know what they look like. If you don't know their name, they're a stranger. So the goal is to move them to acquaintance, okay? That was the homework last week. If you didn't get a chance to do it all, keep doing it. Keep working at it, man. Don't be discouraged. Do whatever it takes to start to meet those neighbors and just, just care for them, right? There's no agenda. It's not being weird. It's just getting to know their name. Hey, I'm your neighbor. That's it. And then the long-term goal is we're going from acquaintance to building relationships, that, that I'm not just the neighbor that knows your name, but, but you know that I care for you, right? And functionally, long term, if you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, the idea is that you would start to become 
no one would call you this, and you probably wouldn't want to be called this, but in reality, you start to become like the pastor of your neighborhood, right? Like you're caring for those around you. And we talked about it. Imagine a city and imagine a church where the church is engaged and every single one of the people that call City Church home knows all eight of their neighbors by name and is investing in those relationships. Imagine how that starts to change the mental health climate and the emotional climate and, and, uh, and, and the relational dynamics of the communities that we live in. Imagine the, the amazing things that God can do in and through the process of building relationships. That's, that's where we kicked off last week. Now, today, I want to talk about the challenge because I think we start talking about neighboring, and it sounds great, and maybe even with good intentions, you had your little block map, and you, found, you, you planned on filling it in. But then the reality is your week probably got busy, and if you, if you got one, or awesome, but if you didn't get them all or you, know, you didn't get around to it, the reality is the reason that happens is because we're all like moving so quick that we don't have any margin, Right, like margin is uh, um, the space between your, your load and your limits. Um, and, and, and so when you think about margin and you look at your life, the reality is most of us are so busy and so like full to the brim that we are, we are like uninterruptible. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, and this happens, just look around to the relationships you already have, right? Like we're uninterruptible to our, our kids and to our spouses and you know, definitely to our neighbors. And I mean, so we're just constantly so busy that we don't have time to even stop and consider what it means to care for somebody because we're just going to the next thing. And so without margin, we don't, we don't have the ability to care for others well. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, that hurry and love are incompatible, right? We can't be in a hurry and love those around us. They, they functionally do not work together. And I don't have time to talk about this piece today, but I've, I've, I've talked about this resource over and over again. I just want to give it to you. There's a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it is phenomenal. And it speaks to creating margin, creating space, and, and breathing deep into God's rhythms for your life. And listen, here, here's my point in this, okay? You need margin, we have the most time-saving devices that we've ever had on the planet, and we are the busiest we've ever been. You gotta, your soul, it needs margin. Your mind, your body, your heart, I mean, your family dynamics, your kids, your relationships with, with those in your home and your relationships at work and where you live and play, I mean, all, you gotta have margin, right? And you know you need it because you, you, you acknowledge that reality all the time, and then you still stay busy. You and I are in just, just this constant tyranny of living up against the urgent, and we sacrifice the important over and over again. You say, well, well, how do I know what's important in my life? Listen, Jesus told us what's important. It's loving God and people. So if anything is compromising that, I need you to hear me. Listen, if anything is compromising your ability to love God and people, it needs to go. It needs to be adjusted. It needs to be tweaked. It needs to be evaluated. I mean, we got to bring it up and realize we've got to create space for margin. Because in, in, until we're able to do that, we're going to continually miss the very simple God moments. Listen, think about Jesus. He, he was definitely a busy guy, right? But he was never in a hurry. And he was always interruptible. He'd be going to heal someone, a very urgent moment. It'd be, it'd be a moment where someone, it, you know, their life is in danger. And then in the process, he would allow someone to interrupt him because they need healing as well. But the idea is, what would it look like to, to create enough margin in our lives that we are interruptible in all the right ways so that we can be present with those around us? Here's the challenge with that conversation, though. Jesus calls us 
to, to live with this awareness of those not in the family of God yet. He calls us uh, to, to, to what, what he would call like the, the, the great commission, if you will. Matthew 28, he says, hey, go, go and help other people follow me. Go tell people about me so they can become followers of me. And as we're following Jesus, he calls us to live our lives on mission. And so last week I introduced the 5% life to you, this this concept of like these four categories that we're investing our time to live as, as Jesus followers in the world around us. But here's the reality. I need you to hear me. Although margins are so important, margin is so very important to the conversation of neighboring well, mission was never meant to fit within our margins. Here's the danger. If we're not careful, we're going to start to try to create margin, and, and we're going to start to try to take like Jesus seriously at this mission thing of loving our neighbor and helping them come to know his love and all that stuff. And so then we're going to start to try to treat it like a task. We're going to start to think about mission like, like okay, Jesus, I've got from 4.30 to 5 p.m. on Friday open, so like if you can just schedule a neighboring appointment for me, that would be awesome. Right? What we're going to try to do is we're going to try to look at our margin and say, okay, I'm going to fit in a little bit of neighboring here and there and work it into my schedule. And listen, I'm telling you, Jesus has been telling me all week, mission does not fit in your margin. Mission is not something that you do. Mission is who you are. Jesus said, I was sent and I'm sending you. This is a part of our identity. It's not something that we do. It's not you know, th- this event that we have on a Friday night. Mission is who we are. And Jesus has been reminding me all week, guys, I'm my mind is so like excited and, and anticipating all that God's going to do, man. I, I can't even explain it to you. He's been telling me all week, multiplication is not, is not a method that we embrace as Jesus followers. It's a mindset that we carry. Discipleship, helping other people follow Jesus, it's not something that we do in here or when we get together as Jesus followers. It's something that we live out there. It's helping other people find their way to God from where they are, where we live, work, and play. It's a whole part of our life. It's, it's just a lifestyle. Like, we're not church people, and we're not religious people. We're Jesus people. And if we're Jesus people, what that means is we are missional people. We are on mission with God and what he's doing in the world around us. And so here's what I want to give you today. I want to give you a simple passage in Mark chapter 2 that, that speaks to me over and over again. And I was wrestling with this, guys, and, and God said, man, you need to bring it up again because it's, it's just that important. So Mark chapter 2, let me introduce you to four guys that had just enough margin to be interrupted. Mark chapter 2 in verse 1. Check this out. Jesus returns to Capernaum several days later. He's been rolling around with his guys, and the news spreads quickly that he was back at home. And soon the house where Jesus was staying, he was, it was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. So I don't know about you, but this says a lot about Jesus in this moment for me. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey if you're not a follower of Jesus. I just need you to hear me. This is an incredible statement of our ability to trust in Jesus. He just got back from traveling, and I don't know about you when you travel, but when I get back, man, I just want to kind of chillax and take it easy for a minute. Jesus gets back. He goes to his home, and, and everybody finds out in town that he is there, and they slam the house. I mean, it is packed out. People crawling out the windows, just standing outside. I mean, overflow room like crazy, and Jesus invests in the crowds rather than being grumpy like I would have been and said, please give me some space, right? So Jesus, I just love that, that what would normally be an inconvenience for you and I, Jesus takes as an opportunity. And I, I need you to hear me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not an inconvenience. Jesus loves you. Not only will he give time for you, but he's given his life for you. He did it for me. 
And when it comes to loving others, friends, one of the, one of the biggest obstacles that margin allows us to, to, to get over is looking for opportunities rather than seeing obstacles. But then watch what happens. We see that, that Jesus is preaching God's word to them. And in the process, four men arrive carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Let's pause there for just a second, okay? I, I love this story because it doesn't give us any like, like indicators of who these four guys are. Everyone hears that Jesus is in town. They're running to get to him. And then all of a sudden, these four guys show up with, with a paralyzed man on a mat. And we don't know anything about them. We don't know uh, like where they came from. We don't know their occupation. We don't know their social status. We don't know their names or family dynamics. We don't know if they were single, how old they were. All we, know, we don't even know if they knew each other. Right? The reality is that there was this paralyzed man that, that let, let's just call him Matt for, for the sake of our, our story, okay? Is that cool? So we have Matt who's, who's paralyzed and on a mat. Get it now? It's kind of funny. Okay, so we have Matt, and, and I imagine tons of people pass Matt on the way to Jesus and then maybe even mention, hey, Matt, you should like, hey, Jesus is in town. You should go check it out. And over and over again, people are passing him, but no one actually helps him. And all of a sudden, these four guys run across Matt and, and they decide to do something about it. And what I love about it is, is like, there's no qualification for it, right? Like, like, this could be any kind, this could be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. This could be the owner of a strip club. This could be a stay-at-home mom and a school teacher, right? All, I mean, it could just be the most random set of people you could ever possibly imagine. And they, they stop, they're interruptible, if you will, and they pick up Matt and they carry him to Jesus. And what I love about that is, is it helps us understand that, like, man, there's not any qualification that you and I need when it comes to serving other people. Does that make sense? So the first thing we see here is, is that these four guys get this guy to Jesus. And, and I was thinking about it. If it wasn't for these four guys, Matt probably would have never made it on his own. Are you, are you with me? Think about it. Right. Tons of people probably passed him. I mean, there's no way he could have got there on his own. So if it wasn't for these four guys, he could have never got there on his own. Here's, here's why this is important. When it comes to being a follower of Jesus for you and I, when it comes to the art of neighboring, when it comes to neighboring well, most of the people that you and I cross eye to eye with that are not followers of Jesus, they will probably never get to Jesus on their own. In fact, there's a very good possibility that you are a follower of Jesus because someone else introduced you to Jesus. And the same reality is true that most of our neighbors, most of our coworkers, most of our friends, they might not ever get to Jesus on their own. Here's what that means. If you and I don't meet people where they are, they might not ever get there without it. For me, man, this starts to hit deep because it means I can't wait around and just hope that relationships happen. I can't just gradually treat my neighboring like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to their name when I get to it. No, this is, man, if I don't build relationships, if I don't meet them where they are, if I don't go to them rather than waiting for them to come to me, they might not ever get to Jesus on their own. So listen, I need you to hear me. You and I have to meet people where they are. That's the first point. That, that, that's the calling of a Jesus follower, that we meet people where they are they 
are. We don't wait for them to come, come to us. We are the church. We exist for the world, and we go to them. The second thing, let me show you in verse 4. It's amazing because not only do they get this guy to Jesus, but they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. They get there. There's so many people, and, and, and they can't get in. So they dug a hole. This is crazy. They dig a hole through the roof above his head. They lower the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. I mean, this is like absolutely crazy. I need you to think about it. Listen, these guys get there. They worked hard. I don't know how heavy Matt is. I imagine it's not easy to drag this guy all the way to Jesus. I don't know how far they had to travel. They met him where he was. They take him to Jesus, and then they can't get in. And honestly, what, what, what would you do in this point? Like, like, in this moment, for me, I'm like, dude, good shot. Like, we tried. Jesus is just, he's busy. To, like, like, he's packed up, and we can't get to him, right? I think all of us have different crowds that, that serve as obstacles, right? We're talking about margin earlier. And part of margin, it allows us to evaluate. When we have margin, it allows us to evaluate the obstacles that get in the way. And so let me ask you a question. What, what is your crowd? Because I think if these guys got there, they could have looked at the crowds and said, well, you know, let's try next time. And that's great. Like, it would have been admirable, I think. But these guys don't give up. They push through. They're like, man, we got this guy all the way here. We are getting our friend to Jesus. So first question, what's your crowd? What are your, what are your excuses? What are the things that get in your way? You're like, oh, man, well, you know, I, I invited them to church, and they just, you know, they're not really interested. Or, you know, I'm just so busy, I haven't had time. Or, man, I'm just, I'm worried what they're going to think. If I invite them, it's going to be weird. Or, or like, uh, you know, my life is just such a wreck right now. I don't even feel like I, I, I'm qualified to invite anybody. Uh, um, or, you know, I, I'm just so busy with my own stuff. Like, I, I haven't had a chance, but it's on my to-do list. Or, you know, I, you start looking at your excuses, and when you and I are confronted with our excuses, it's an opportunity to give up or to push through. And what I love about these guys is instead of just giving up, which would have been admirable, they do something crazy. They dig a hole through the roof of, of whoever's house this. This is crazy. First of all, I don't know how they got him on the roof. Pretty cool. I don't know if it was like a, you know, a heave-ho, you know, let's just swing him up there. Two guys on, they're going to catch Matt as they swing him up there. Or if, like, someone put him on his back and, like, you know, super cr- I don't know how they got up there. But they get Matt on top of the roof, and they start to dig a hole through the roof. And everybody else is on the inside. Can you imagine, like, being on the inside of this house? All of a sudden, like, the ceiling starts to flake, and, like, dust is starting to fall, and dirt, and straw, and all these things are, like, falling through the roof. And can you imagine being the owner of the house? You're like, oh, my goodness. Right? I mean, this is crazy that these guys would even do it. But, but you got to ask the question, like, why? Why are they committed? Because they recognize, man, that, that they can't do anything for Matt. They've got to get him to Jesus. So it's not just meeting people where they are, but it's also being willing to do whatever it takes. That's the second point. Do whatever it takes to get our friends to Jesus. Here's, here's the deal. We, we say this often, that here at City Church, we are outwardly focused. It means that we are the church. We exist for the world. We're going to go to them. We're not going to wait for them to come to us. And we are willing to do anything short of sin to help our friends find their way to God from where they are. This is the invitation that these guys don't stop at, all. Oh, this is now inconvenient or challenging or hard, but they start to get creative. Can I ask you the question? Listen, what, what would it take to get a little crazy when it comes to, to just being creative and helping your neighbors come to know, love, and experience like what it means to have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus? What would it look like? And listen, I think you have to be even more creative in the middle of COVID. Like, like COVID has changed the dynamic. If, if we're being just totally transparent, I think COVID for me has served as an excuse not to neighbor. Not because I'm not passionate about it, not because 
you know, it's just too hard or, you know, you can fill in the gaps, but, but it's just, it's an easy excuse. It's just like, it's, you know, there's lots of hoops to jump through and my neighbors aren't comfortable. So it's, it's just really easy to write off the reality of like, in this season, I just can't neighbor. And it's just not the truth. It's just, it's just not the truth. And you and I know it because we do all kinds of stuff. People are doing all kinds of stuff. They're not, they're not isolated and, and scared um, like maybe we were, you know, a year ago. But, but the reality is we could, but we just got to look, get a little more creative in what it looks like. So what would, it, what, what would be something crazy when it comes to loving your neighbors, right? Sometimes it's just getting creative. Like, you know, it's, it's making cookies. It's like one of our groups this week was talking about handwriting notes to neighbors. Like if you just genuinely can't see them, right? They're like they're never outside. Like handwrite a note. Hey, this is Drake. I'm your neighbor at, you know, 1649. Like here's my contact info. I just want you to know I'm here for you. <laughs> like if you need anything. Uh, um, and if you have someone who makes good cookies, do that, right? If you don't make good cookies, don't do that. But, like, th- th- you know, there's different ways of getting creative. Like, man, it's, it's going to an outdoor birthday party. It's hanging out outside when the sun's out. It's building a snowman and, and, and just lingering outside a little longer than normal. It's, it's going to the park. It's walks around the block. It's just being intentional with your time, saying, man, what would it take to get a little crazy, to start to stretch things and, and start to meet people where they are? Like, what would it take to push past our excuses and say, man, I'm going to build relationships with the people around me? You know, as they, as they, as they dig through the roof, it, it, it reminds me of, like, really stretching it. I don't know how they got to that place, but, man, really stretching what's, what's permissible. And I realize, I mean, sometimes, like, neighboring can be intimidating, and you don't want to be weird, and you don't want to be offensive, and you don't want to uh, do things that are, like, you know, inappropriate. But at the same time, it's just getting creative and stretching the reality that, man, like, if we don't get our friends to Jesus, they might not ever get there on their own. But the last thing, check this out in verse 5. In verse 5, Mark tells us that seeing their faith. So, so these four guys drop Jesus, or I'm sorry, they drop Matt down through the, the roof. And the guy is, is, I'm sure, involuntarily coming down through the roof, right? And I imagine Jesus looks up and there's four little, you know, four heads popping out over the hole that they dug and they're, you know, waving at Jesus. And, and it says that as, as Matt is lowered down into the room where Jesus is, that Jesus sees their faith. Whose faith? Now, this, is the four, this is the four men. He sees their faith and says to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And this is amazing to me. Because in this moment, it's absolutely Matt's faith that saves him. It's Matt's faith that saves him and sets him free. But it's his friend's faith that got him there. And in that moment, some of the teachers of of the law who were sitting in the room, they thought to to themselves, man, what what is this man saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And in this moment, the religious leaders are just just freaking out and throwing some hate, throwing some shade. And listen, can I I just give you some some encouragement? When When you and I get serious about living on mission, when you and I get serious about the reality that God wants to work in and through us to help our friends come to know, love, and follow him, there's gonna be some haters right? It's, it's, it's not always going to be like easy street. It's not always going to be, you know, without challenge. It, it's going to be challenges at times, but it's worth it. 
it's worth it when we see our friends trust in Jesus. So we've got to meet people where they are. We've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. And lastly, listen, friends, we've got to bring them to Jesus. See, the reason this was so important, the reason these guys worked so hard to get their friend to Jesus because they knew that there was no hope for their friend anywhere else. I'm sure they tried all kinds of things before. I'm sure Matt had been to all kinds of suggestive temporal moments to try to figure out what's going on and to, and to get him unparalyzed or whatever. And, and in this moment, these friends realized that they had to get him to Jesus. And I hope this serves as a reminder for you and I. Listen, our, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, you know what? Listen, they, they don't need religion. They, they don't need church. They, they don't need behavior modification. They don't need seven steps to better morality. They only need Jesus. We need to get our friends to Jesus, whatever it takes, as long as it takes, by meeting them where they are. And here's the reality, listen. You know, getting our friends to church, that, that, that's cool. Like, if, if that's one of the ways that can be a bridge to getting our friends to Jesus. But you know what? It's only a bridge. It's not, it's not the only bridge. It's just one of many. But the reality is God has put you in your neighborhood, and he's put you in your workplace. He's put you uh, in the spaces that you are where you live, work, and play for the very purpose of being a bridge. That your goal, you wouldn't be discouraged if they don't want to come to your church. You wouldn't be discouraged if they you know, don't want to have a faith conversation the first time you talk to them. But rather you realize that the long-term goal is to get them to Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who can change someone's life. And here's the invitation, friends. This week, listen, I don't know how it's going. But, but just make some progress. If you don't know all your neighbor's names, man, just get one more under your belt. Get to know their name. Show them that you care. Start to build a relationship. You know, if you didn't, didn't get a chance to last week, maybe look for someone who's already an acquaintance and look for an opportunity to, to just build a relationship a little bit. You know, a kid's play date or, hey, let's go grab a drink after work or, um, you know, let's go for a bike ride or let's just hang outside, you know, just a little longer and chat before you go inside and, and end your day or whatever it is. Just focusing on building the relationships with the acquaintances that you have. Listen, Easter is two weeks away, and it's absolutely a great opportunity to invite others. So by all means, like, invite them. But don't be discouraged if they say no, because the goal is not to get them to church. The goal is to get them to Jesus. You know, and, and lastly, listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus, may, maybe the invitation for you today is, is that you, you don't need a bunch of this other stuff. You just need Jesus. that what Jesus would do with his life, that he came to give his life in our place for our sins, that he was murdered on a cross, he was buried for three days, and then he rose from the grave, proving that he was who he said he was, that he, would, he, he could do what he said he would do. And Jesus extends the gift to you and I to trust in him, to be saved and set free, to be forgiven and made right with God. It's the best and most amazing thing that you could ever do with your life. Jesus changed my life at 15, and he's been changing it ever since, and he'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for you. And odds are, if you're in a place right now where you're considering faith and you're wrestling through faith, God has put a lot of people around your life to get you to him in this moment. 
So don't ignore the activity of God through the people that he has put around you because it's very possible that he's been working in and through them to get you to this moment right now. And I'd encourage you just to trust in Jesus today and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again to save me and set me free. And I want to follow you. And if you're, if you're ready to make that decision today, you can text in the word on the screen. And we would love to take some next steps with you and celebrate with you. And listen, if we can resource you in any additional way as you are neighboring, engaging, serving, and loving, man, we're here for you to empower you to continue to live a life on mission with Jesus. See you next week.